WFAE's David Borax has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. Welcome to the early edition of R&D in the QC. Today, we talk about tonight's strategy session. We also welcome Michael Dickerson, director of the Mecklenburg Board of Elections, to talk about election day tomorrow. And former council member Warren Cooksey comes on to talk about NCDOT and managed toll lanes. Episode 41. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It is election time. ETA, Larkin, what are we talking? We are 16 hours. No. You weren't expecting math. Hours. I wasn't expecting math. That's okay. We're 18 hours from uh, from you being able to rock the vote if you haven't already rocked the vote. And it depends on when you're listening to this. Yes. It may be too late. We hope it's not. And so the purpose, uh, we're going to do things a little unusual today. We're actually putting this episode out before our council meeting tonight, uh, twofold. One, it's a strategy session tonight. Those don't tend to have any sort of breaking news items coming out of them. We'll tell you a little bit about what we're expecting to see at the strategy session council meeting tonight. But mainly, in our second segment today, we've got Board of Elections, Mecklenburg County Board of Elections Director Michael Dickerson, who's going to give you all the info you need to know if you're headed out to vote on Tuesday, November 6th, and we want there to be as much time for people to hear this episode before voting ends tomorrow. It's uh, Tuesday, November 6th at 7.30 p.m. Man, we've been going out of our way here for the listeners of R&D in the QC. I mean, I think the bump in voting in this election is probably largely due to our podcast. I was A lot of people have been asking me if that's what, what, what we think is happening. I agree. Definitively. Definitively. So at the strategy session tonight, uh, one of the things we're going to hear about is from NCDOT. In our third segment for this show, you're going to hear from Warren Cooksey, who also happens to be a former city council member. He's going to tell you what he's going to be telling us later tonight. Um, We are also expecting Deb Ryan and a group of her students from UNC Charlotte um, in the graduate urban design track over there are going to come and present to us something that I got to help a little bit with in the millennial plan it is something that those students have kind of crafted as a vision for charlotte uh, in a maybe more like a broader kind of millennial version of a udo Um, not that technical but more in what do we want our city to look like what are the types of of places and um activities that we want to to be in certain parts of our city and certain neighborhoods Uh, so that's really interesting and so I look forward to hearing from them. I really enjoyed getting to work with her and her students throughout that process. And they turned that plan into a bound, uh, really professionally produced book that I hope everyone will look really hard at because as we create all these other plans for our city, I would love for us to be weaving in some of those ideas. These are the people that are going to be the future leaders and, and are going to be the folks that live in the Charlotte that we help build. And uh, we need to certainly be factoring in what they hope to see. So you taught them how to ban words and stuff? Yeah, man. Um, we'll have committee report outs tonight. Nothing too uh, meaty or juicy expected in that. And um, what else? Are you doing anything, anything big this weekend? 
Um, I mean, not not too crazy. Let's see. Over the last week, um, I went and got to participate in this special uh, Hamilton event with over 2,000 Title I school kids from way around the region. Um, that was just really incredible uh, that, one, we have Hamilton in our own backyard, but two, our students got to do that. That was, that was really an experience. That looked really cool. I saw some pictures online from uh, from that day, and what an incredible experience for all those those young folks. Hamilton ended its run yesterday, but I can I can say in 14 years that I've been here, and I've been to a lot of the stuff that the Blumenthal has done. They bring incredible world-class programming every year, but I don't think – I know in 14 years there has never been a buzz yeah. around yeah. a show run like there has been around Hamilton. And uh was just looking at the lineup for next year, and I'm being told, I don't know much about it, but I'm being told that the hit show for next year that everybody's going to want to scramble for tickets on is Dear Evan Hansen. Don't know what it's about. Haven't really done any research, but apparently that's going to be the hot ticket next year. The Hansen uh I don't think it's about the Hansen band. brothers, no. I, th- yeah. I think it's something Do different. I don't know what it's about, but I'm going to say I know that it's not about the It's Hansen the true life story about the Hanson band. brothers. Or is that Manson bro- Hanson brothers? I'm certain it's about none of them. Got um, it. Okay. And, and I will give a shout out. Congratulations to our colleague, Councilmember Ajmer, got married yesterday. Um, so I think that means every single person on council now is married. So sorry, folks. We're all 11 of us. We're all taken. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, daylight savings times, look down at your watch right now. If it doesn't match your phone guys, change it. Also daylight savings time is stupid. And if I'm ever given the opportunity to, uh, eradicate it, I will do so. Can you do that as uh, secretary of the interior? Not yet, <laughs> but I might request that that be added into the purview of that department because uh, it, we have parts of our country that don't use it. There's plenty of parts of the world that don't use it. It's, it just, is a patchwork of uh of folks who do and don't and it's dumb it was it was instituted back around like farming practices and the need for daylight and then around an energy crisis and all these things that uh it's it's just well past its useful life mark your calendars folks i've been working for a while now actually behind the scenes um on the re-unveiling of the hugh mcmanaway gold statue Uh, so right now it is planned. We haven't kind of released it to the public yet, but on R and D and the QC, our listeners get first information. So November 13th at 2 PM, we're going to have that there. And are you speaking at that too? Are we both speaking at that? Yeah, you're speaking as well. I allowed them to do that. Well, allowed them to put you in Because half of that statue is in my district. No, I'd say the good half, literally half half of mine. The statue is split down the middle. Half in District 6, half in District 1. Well, it's the side where his arm is raised is in District 6, and that's all that matters. Anyway, uh, I am working on one final surprise. It's so close. I think you'll like this, too. It's not finalized yet, but it's close enough that I can say it. Um, It may not happen, (laughs) in fairness. This is a terrible idea. (laughs) It's a terrible idea. But it's possible that the performers from Charlotte Squawks are going to come out and do a live version, free to the public, of one of the pieces they did in last year's uh, yeah, um, what, Blumenthal Man of Gold, performance. What was it called? Yeah, it was something like that. But it was awesome. That was a good one. Yeah, so we're working on that. That would be a nice treat. And I'm sure an honor for Mike Collins to appear alongside his two favorite council members. That's true. That's true. All what right. Else? 
That's Nothing, it. man. I think we uh, we head out to Tarek and Larkin in the field over on Kenilworth. By the way, we're also hitting the road. You should probably tell folks because we'll are probably we? try to record a segment or two while we're out there. Oh, yeah. We are headed along with uh, several of our colleagues and the mayor to the National League of Cities uh, annual convention or conference. And we will Los be out there Angeles. from Wednesday to Saturday with elected officials from all over the country and we'll be learning about cool things that are being implemented everywhere in uh, not only in Los Angeles where the convention's being held but also around the country from these other elected officials pick up some best practices some good ideas build some stronger connections and uh, bring them back to the benefit of the people of Charlotte so we will undoubtedly track down a, a random celebrity or two or uh, other elected officials from around the country and, and do a couple of quick interviews so Keep an eye out in case we drop a special episode or we might weave them into next week's. Bingo. But uh, for right now, let's throw it to the Mecklenburg Board of Elections where Larkin and Tarek are with Michael Dickerson. Bingo, Larkin. Bingo. R&D in the QC. We are back. It's under 24 hours until election day, the general election of the midterms. Larkin, we're sitting in the Board of Elections here for Mecklenburg County. We've seen some cool things and we're about to have a cool conversation. Yeah, we're here in Midtown with the director of the Mecklenburg Board of Elections, Michael Dickerson. Uh, We are in his office and we wanted to come to him so that he can let anyone who has not early voted and who wants to vote on Tuesday, November 6th, know any of the things they need to know as they head out to the polls. Uh, And then also give us a little bit of his analysis on the really overwhelming turnout that we had in Mecklenburg County uh, and across the state during the early voting period. So welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And uh uh, yes, you're right. That's a, a great turnout for early voting. Uh, we expect a really great turnout for Election Day. Um, but there are a couple things that I want make, to make certain that everybody remembers. Yes, what do people need to know? Exactly. Uh, tomorrow is Election Day. I've got 195 voting locations open throughout the day. You must go to your assigned precinct tomorrow so you can vote on the voting panel and get everything that you're supposed to vote on. So early voting, you can go anywhere, but that's not like that on Tuesday of voting day, right? Correct, correct. Uh, This is, you need to go to your precinct, uh, you need to go there so that you can vote on the panel, and you have to be registered. We don't do same-day registration during uh, during, uh, election day voting. You did it during early voting. But I do not do it on Election Day, so you need to be registered. There are a couple of things you can do before you can go, uh, before you go out. First thing, probably the most important thing, is check your name and every, all the information on uh, mecbo.org. Uh, make sure you're registered. Know where your, early, your voting site is. Know all of those things before you get out and, and start Mac, getting fresh. Mecboe. .org. Yes, And And you can go there and and I think you click a button that says kind of like you put your address in and it tells you everything you need to know, right? Exactly. You can get your sample ballot because that's the other thing you're going to want to do. You're going to want to look and see what is on your ballot. You'd be surprised how many questions I got this year. Oh, the ballot was wrong. I couldn't vote for Dan McCready or Mark Harris. That's because you did not live in the Ninth 
district. Only those folks that live in the 9th district can vote in the 9th district. So make sure you check that. You've also, you've got, what, six constitutional amendments. Mm. There are three bond questions for the city of Charlotte. If you try to read all those and understand those on the fly, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. You're, you're going to be confused. So know what you want to do before you get there. Um, other thing is, too, who is my state house? member who is who am i voting for uh for state senate all of those things what are all the judges names i don't recognize and have no idea who they are (laughs) exactly before i just go in and say what's going on right am i in 26a or am i in 26h is there a superior court race or a district court race um you've got uh you've got at large county commission race you've got district county commission races uh and yes i know some of them are unopposed but you still need to you get out and support those folks that you want so people that are voting tomorrow what times will the polls open and close and if people are in line uh, talk about the rules as it relates to when the polls close and then also uh do people need to have any sort of identification? You said there are circumstances where they do. What would those circumstances be? Sure, sure. First things first, uh, we open at 6.30 in the morning and we close at 7.30 at night. Uh, and if you're in line, standing in line at 7.30, we will vote you through the process. We will we will take care of you. Um, I haven't seen that as an issue in the past uh but uh but keep that in mind if you are in line if you're if you're driving to the precinct at 7 30 we will not open it up for you I, law says i have to close at 7 30 so i must uh, i must stick to to the law uh and you're right all you're going to ask to be asked to do tomorrow when you go in is uh, state your name and your address for 90, 99% of the people. What's your name, what's your address? We'll look you up in a poll book. We'll t- peel the label off. They'll put, your, um, put a sticker on your, um, on your ATV until you go over to the voting panel. And at the voting panel, the, guy's gonna, the person's going to pull up your ballot. And that's another thing. I've got some 2,000 people out there tomorrow working at all these precincts. Uh, they do a great job. They're going to be there at 5.30 in the morning. If you're going to get there at 6.30, they're going to be there at 5.30 in the morning. Are they all volunteers, pretty, the, mostly? Pretty much you call it a volunteer. I think I, I, I pay you about 150 160 bucks for, a, what, about a 16-hour day. So I'm, I'm making off of them. But uh, they all don't do it. They, do it for the, they don't do it for the money. They do it because they feel like it's their responsibility as being a member of a, of a civic society that they want to participate. So, so thank they, them. Thank the people that are out there doing that work. I appreciate you saying that because they have gone through training. They have gone through all the processes. They can get flustered. And if you've got a question, stop and ask. So if, just stop if you're in that one percent that may need an ID, who mm-hmm. who who might that be? Just so people can Good can point. know that. Yeah, there there are some applications that we could not have certified when it came in. We do all your voter registration on the front end. When you send me that voter registration application in, I verify who you are. I put in your social last four digits of your social, your NC driver's license number, uh, and match that with a date of birth. Then they match those those databases say yes that's michael dickerson uh he is he is a person uh if that did not happen if i couldn't match i was one off on your have a on your uh, social number or i had the wrong birth date down you're going to have to do something to prove who you are tomorrow and that's a very very small number 
But just be aware that that can happen before you start calling and saying, oh my gosh, he's, he's making a show ID. So what about the people who've passed away 10 and 20 years ago that the Democrats typically like to have come out and vote? Now, are they going to need any special ID? Larkin, I guess I'll address this one to you. Tark, you're a moron. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So no, they don't. What are your questions, Larkin? Well, I'd like to hear um, – we've seen all these early voting numbers, and so I'd like to hear Michael's uh, thoughts on on these. I and mean, we've got him sitting here on his desk right now. Actually, this is curbside voting. Um, but we've got those numbers pulled up, and I, I know you've looked at it, Michael. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, this has been – for a midterm election um, where we don't have a United States Senate race in the state of North Carolina, we don't have a governor's race. The only statewide races we have are really judicial what are your thoughts on this really big turnout for something where there wasn't that uh, high-profile top-of-the-ticket race? Right. Good point. Um, good question. We're looking at close to 200,000 voted early. Mm. 200,000. By the time we get the absentee by mails, it will be over over 200,000. The phones are ringing off the hook here. The yeah. That's bad. It's probably something real. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, so but, that's, uh, that's a lot more than normal. Uh, exactly. Four years ago, I did 91,000 mm. for the entire process. So I've doubled what I did. Um, it and, speaks, in, and in 2014, there was a United States Senate race. Exactly. There was a U.S. Senate race. Uh, and, to, and, and to that extent, you look at it and say, what's causing that? Uh, so if you look at 14, we had a Senate race. 16, we had a, a presidential. And in 18, we don't have either of those, but I got a bigger turnout. Mm. So now you, you start wondering what, what, is, what is causing the, the, the bigger turnout. So what's the breakdown? Who's voting? We're looking at, uh, it's sort of similar to what we have as voter registration in this county. Uh, of those, you got about 97,000 that are Democrats, about uh, 56, 57,000 that are unaffiliated. And Republicans are about 45,000 of those that have voted so far. Um, the voter registration numbers in Mecklenburg County are similar to that. They follow Democrats as, a, as the highest registration. They show uh, um, uh, unaffiliates as my second highest. And third are the Republicans, and that's been that way since about 2012. I see that the Libertarians are crushing the Green Party as it relates to uh, turnout right now. Well, that and the Constitution Party. Uh, right. Remember, you've got, uh, we now have, what is that, six? Um, Constitution party? party is beating Green Party. I mean, this yeah. is news. <laughs> well, oh, on a small base, maybe. I've got, I've got two questions for you. Uh, the first of which is, why in some places are unaffiliated called unaffiliated, and in some places they're called independents? Is, those are essentially synonyms. Uh, well, they are, but in some states there is an independent party. Mm. If you're unaffiliated, you're not associated with a party. That's why North Carolina keeps it as unaffiliated and allows you, if you're an unaffiliated, you can participate in either party's primary at that point in time. My second question is, it's, we're gonna get you, I'm going to get you to make a prediction here. It's not going to be a partisan question. But this high early vote turnout, do you think that it's more cannibalization from what would normally be your day of Election Day voters? Or do you think this is really going to, when we look at this Wednesday morning, when we look at what happens on Tuesday, do you think our overall voter turnout is going to be uh, a big spike in overall turnout? Or do you think it'll just be it was more early vote and less day of voters? Well, you generally, you, you generally have to accommodate your natural growth. 
four years ago, we've, we've grown that much. What is it, 50,000 people moving in uh, every, uh, every year, uh, whatever the number is. Uh, so you do have natural growth that you have. Um, also, four years ago, I voted 266,000 people. Well, gee, I've almost done that in early voting. Uh, so I'm looking at a, uh, I'm looking at probably another 150 coming out tomorrow. Uh, and uh, you're going to have a somebody was calling it halfway between a normal midterm and a presidential election, which would that number would put me right about halfway uh, between a, a midterm and a president. So let's end on uh, in the style of Monday Night Football uh, and the crew there. Bold predictions. Give us a Michael Dickerson bold prediction tomorrow, 9 p.m. as it relates to numbers. Just anything that you, you, the way you look at this, which is obviously different than, than normal people do. Well, keep in mind at 9 p.m. I'll still be here waiting for <laughs> sites to come in. So uh, I will predict that we'll count those after when we get those in. But uh, I, no, I, I, you know, this is a neat stuff. Yeah. This is the stuff I, I, I have all my life followed this. I was that nerd kid that stood up, stayed up till 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning to see how that result from California came in. Yeah. Uh, cripes, I didn't know anybody in California. I was in North Carolina. But that's, that's the excitement. You'll, you will be jazzed. You will be excited. That's my prediction uh, when you can get out and participate in the election process. Well, one more for me. Um, I just thought of this one. Is there any um, uh, average kind of um, – uh, occurrence that happens each year. You know we're, how we're typically waiting for, you know, five, ten precincts yeah. to come in. Are they always kind of the same ones based on something? And should we think they are typically more in Republican or district strong, uh, or Democrat strongholds? Or does it just depend on who was in line at what time? Yeah, that's the big part. Who's in line? How big? How big is your line? If you have a line at seven thirty, uh, the other thing to keep in mind is too. I drive those results down to my. So office. the farthest away is typically the last. Exactly. Oh. You'll see the first few are the ones right in the vicinity of seven forty one Kenilworth. They'll right. be showing up and they'll be they'll be pulling in usually pretty fast. Then there's about a a nine o'clock eight thirty to nine o'clock where they converge all converge. It seems like on our parking lot. Uh, we've got a Disney loop going out through this whole, this whole area right out here where we're checking them in, making sure I've got all the results. Uh, they're giving, uh, giving us everything, and then we're downloading that, bringing it into this office. Keep in mind, you haven't asked any questions about security. Oh, uh, oh that's a great oh, point. Uh, Are yeah. the Russians going to be involved? No, 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 no. We, uh, uh, we're, we're not inviting <laughs> them. Uh, but keep in mind, all this, none of this ever touches the Internet. Your, la- your computers that you're using, the voting panels that you're using, they're not on the Internet. They don't have a wireless card in them. Mm. It's an old 286. You two are young enough to uh, <laughs> don't even know what a 286 might be. I'm familiar. Uh, is, it made by, is it made by Atari? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It well, is, in fact. Well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but um, but it's, an old, it's an old system. It doesn't hit the Internet until I download it off the, the data that I use. Uh, the the database that I use to create the phone, walk it over with a with a thumb drive, 
and stick it into an in, uh, to a, uh, a computer hooked to the internet. So I never touch the internet with those two devices. Okay, hackers, you have a very small window is the punchline there. Uh, well, <laughs> and there's a paper, uh, there's a paper backup. Yeah. Well, it, I, I verify before I post, uh, before I post to the state site. Uh, and and we does everybody have, do this practice? Yes, it's pretty okay. It's supposed to be uh, a practice. I I know the uh, uh, the. Uh, well, they call it the great state of Mecklenburg. We mm. do that, uh, but uh, but we've always done that. We want to make certain that you're you're confident in the process, uh, and your and your system the, yeah. the system works. Very important. Larkin, final words. Yeah, so that we are. I think all three can be in agreement that we're encouraged that voter turnout has increased for this this election. I hope that that is going to mean a big increase tomorrow. We know the weather's not going to be great tomorrow. At least that's the way it's looking right now, uh, midday on Monday. But. Um, we just really want everybody to get out and vote. Michael Dickerson, director of the Board of Elections and here in Mecklenburg County, thank you so much for joining us. And good luck tomorrow. We know you got a long day ahead of you. Thank you very much. Thank you both for coming in. Absolutely. All right. We'll be back. And we're back with special, special friend of the pod, one more so than almost anyone else, Larkin, because he's actually a, a, a pretty diehard listener. He gave a presentation to us in council tonight that was riveting. You're really bad at lying. Uh, we sit here midday and we're going to put this episode out before he gives a presentation. I'm sure it will be riveting. It was incredible. But we're going to get a preview here for our listeners. And uh, so we would like to welcome to the podcast current NCDOT uh, leader, I'm going to call you a leader. Former District Seven councilman. But yes, more relevant to our podcast even than that is former council member. He sat in these in these hallowed hallways before himself. And uh, so, welcome to the podcast, Warren Cooksey. Warren Cooksey. Thank you, council members. It's an honor for you to have me. It's a, it is an honor for you to be here. You're totally right. So tell <laughs> us, Warren. First of all, um, what do you think of the pod? You're one of those people who literally listen most weeks yes. you always have information or tidbits that you send me and different stuff like yep. that you're a huge huge fan of the pod i'm a fan of podcasting in general and oh, this one in and this one in particular and this one in particular this is on my regular rotation it's probably the number yes. one in your list i'd say where else yes you would yes you would say that your nerdy stuff yes. that relates directly to his passion well, here's what I know. ed Driggs morning meeting on fridays <laughs> there you if, go. We'll, we'll assume we're in your top yes. three podcasts oh yes what are your other two in the top three Your pod save america i'm very fond of uh, one called 99 percent invisible which is a podcast about design that's what larkin's wife calls refers to him as or something like that mm -hmm. and uh, uh the ricochet podcast listen to that one as well mm. what is that so, about uh, it, Current events. Okay. Yeah. All right. So but those two. But 99%. Yeah. 99% invisible is, is one I desperately like to give credit to. In fact, I'm wearing my uh, Radiotopia socks tonight because I'm on the podcast. That's serious. Hardcore guy yeah. right here. Yes. All right. So tell us about the work you're doing with the NCDOT. Okay. And for our listeners, you have two projects that are imminent and that might affect their commutes or their trips to the beach, as it were. So tell us about yeah. those the timeline uh, when they'll open and what the pricing will be. Well, to, to clarify the titles, I, I do carry around a three-stage three business card because I'm the Director of Outreach and Community Affairs for the North Carolina Turnpike Authority, which is a business unit of the North Carolina Department of Transportation. More specifically, as the council will have seen this evening, get my verb tenses right. I saw it. It was great. Uh, 
we, we are the toll collection agency. Oh. And the two projects that are coming online by the end of the year are the Monroe Expressway in Union County and the I-77 Express Lanes in Mecklenburg and South Haredale County. Um, the differences between the two could make up a podcast all on their own, but the one thing that they have in common is that the Turnpike Authority, through its NC Quick Pass program, is the toll collection agency for both projects. So what's the, I know the Monroe bypass will be opening first, and yeah. the, for most of our listeners, the way that will probably impact them is when they take their trip down to the beach, it will shave off 15 minutes or so. When will that open, and then when can people expect construction to be completed on the I-77 project? Because I, I got to tell you, I just drove a portion of it from downtown to about uh, North Lake Mall yesterday and was thinking to myself, how in the world can this be completed in the next two months? Well, that is a complicated project. For the Monroe Expressway, we're anticipating opening it on November 27th, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, uh, barring any unforeseen weather events, but we're pretty pretty set on that date. Uh, and that is a, in all aspects but one, a pretty traditional toll road. It's a four-lane, median-divided highway, 65 miles an hour posted speed, no traffic signals, interchanges to get on and get off, a fixed toll schedule. And all of the lanes are tolled. And all the lanes, yes. If you're on the Monroe Expressway, there is a toll involved. Uh, but uh, the one thing that isn't traditional is there are no toll booths. We don't do toll booths in North Carolina. There's no reason for you to have to slow down when you're traveling on a toll facility. You're trying to get somewhere faster by using it, so you shouldn't have to slow down. So we do these prepaid and postpaid programs, uh, as the council heard tonight. Uh, the 77 Express Lanes, the developer's telling us the lanes should be open uh, at least partially. They're aiming for the whole uh, corridor, 26 miles, but at least partially. By the end of the year, uh, the direct connector ramps are what you're seeing as having a great deal of infrastructure complexity. And so those are likely to be more into spring, early summer of next year. So so, yeah. so for people who listen to this podcast, which is a mixture of people who are deep in the weeds and people who kind of get their news here... Mm -hmm. This has not been without its, um, without its, uh, what's the word? Complications. Complications, yes. complexity, uh, angst from certain yeah. parties. How would you best describe someone who maybe doesn't live in North Charlotte, but um, has followed in the news the uh, the some of the outrage, some of the storylines over the last you know couple years, and uh, what you know what why is what. Which side do you fall on being a staff member? And clearly you only have one side to fall on, right? <laughs> uh, I fall on the side of noting that the, the simplest rule for using a toll facility is that the toll is what the sign says it is. Uh, and whether it's the Monroe Expressway or the I-77 Express lanes, there'll be signage that indicate what the toll to use it is. And uh, once you see that and make a decision whether you want to use it or not, uh, we do, as I mentioned, prepaid accounts through the NC Quick Pass transponders, uh, all ele electronic there. Or we will send bills by mail based on the license plate of the vehicle that travels under the, the gantry. No toll booths. We've got these electronic gantries to travel under. Now, people can yeah. actually save a little money by having the transponder. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, the transponder rate is a 35% discount, roughly speaking, uh, uh, off of the bill by mail rate. That's established basically by, by law. The law sets the... Bill by mail rate is basically the standard and then authorizes the Turnpike Authority to give a discount for prepaid accounts, which we do. The one thing that regardless of where people fall yeah. on tolls in general, these two specific projects or anything else, I think everyone can agree on as a positive in these projects, particularly I'm thinking of I-77 for us, 
is talk about how our express bus routes and express bus travel from our northern communities in Mecklenburg County and, and Iredale County will be able to utilize these new lanes uh, for mass transit. That Absolutely. That is a definite provision of express lanes in the area that uh, buses travel in them without paying any of the toll. And so by extension, anyone you know, paying the fare to be on that bus is not going to see any kind of fare increase as a result of the lanes, but they will see travel time improvement. Uh, without getting deep into those weeds of, uh, of complexity there, uh, the tolling mechanism on the I-77 express lanes is designed to prevent congestion in the lanes, to provide reliable travel time because traffic continues to move based on what the, the toll is. So if someone gets on a bus in Davidson or Cornelius or Huntersville and that bus gets into the express lane, they'll be traveling at highway speeds or near highway speeds uh, in their commute in that bus. It's a guaranteed minimum of 45? Well, layers of complexity there. The, the federal government says that if you're going to manage a lane, and tolling is a way of managing a lane, uh, then you must provide uh, basically 80% of the posted speed limit for about 90% of the time. Uh, 45 is usually the minimum when you're th factoring in a 55, but if the speed limit is posted at 65 miles an hour, then the speed in the express lane is faster as well. So welcome to the weeds. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we're in it. Um, yeah. so for the, for the folks out there that have used the argument and this, this is not, you know, we, we clearly are where we are today, mm -hmm. but have used the argument and continue to have the angst of either don't we pay enough in taxes already? Shouldn't we have had this without having to levy tolls or maybe the other side of it was I get it. It wasn't going to happen unless we went this route, but who, you know, boggled or bungled the, uh, the contract and all the things I hear those two arguments a lot. You know, what, what's your response as someone who's deep in the weeds of this stuff to the, to those perspectives? Well, to the first, uh, unfortunately I don't have the specific data points handy council member. Sure. I, I know you're looking for that, yeah. but, but I can give you the rough range that when you look at the amount of revenue that the North Carolina Department of Transportation has over the next 10 years for construction, and you look at the estimated cost of all the projects statewide that local officials have asked for, and, and that's the dominant source of transportation construction projects in North Carolina, local planning organizations called metropolitan planning organizations and rural planning organizations, then the amount of projects requested is approximately twice that of the amount of revenue available for construction. And so we, we definitely have a gap between what people have identified are the needs in the state versus what's available through traditional funding. So tolling provides an additional you know, tool in the toolbox. Everybody check your bingo card for tool in the toolbox in a government discussion uh, to provide supplemental funding for projects such as with the Triangle Expressway, seven years ago opening in Wake and Durham counties, the Monroe Expressway. And it's also, the tolls will also be helping to pay for 77. Um, now, could you repeat that second question? The contract. Ah, well, there, there's a lot of conversation about the contract. I tend to look at the um, Mercator analysis that was done last year and the state auditor's analysis, which was released earlier this year. And Shout out to Beth Wood. Indeed. State auditor Beth Wood. Uh, you didn't know that, did you, Tark? Sure. I only uh, the only person yeah. I know up there is uh, Cherry Berry, your favorite. No, 
Yeah, y'all, y'all I'll keep going with that. Uh, but bo- both those reports found that the, the Mercator report found that the contract was fairly standard for express lane public-private partnerships compared with others around the country. And the state auditor's report gave the entire procurement process a, a clean bill of health for how it was handled as the state's first public-private partnership but, but for a highway still, project. I mean, people are still airing ads in this election cycle right now about people who are for and against the toll project. I mean, clearly this is not or who controversy. Or for it and against exactly. it. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you how tolls will be <laughs> charged. We have a prepaid process and we have a we have a postpaid. We have a postpaid so, program. So, what, so what's yeah. the key message for, for you in delivering to council tonight? What's the one thing that we should be taking away when we listen? Uh, well, the... The driver of this particular presentation for elected bodies all throughout the region, pun intended, exactly, uh, has been to very much be aware of what the bill by mail process is. A lesson we learned from the Triangle Expressway seven years ago is that while the Turnpike Authority did a great job of telling people the road was coming and that a transponder account was a great way to pay tolls because it provided the discount, we didn't do sufficient preparation on the bill by mail side. And so if you get a bill by mail that's for, you know, $1.25, for example, we found there's a tendency of folks not to treat it seriously. But unfortunately, based on the way state law is written about the bill by mail process, failure to take that first bill seriously then leads to a $6 processing fee on the second bill. And then if the second bill isn't taken seriously, the Third bill has the $6 processing fee and and a $25 civil penalty to it. So we are part of our outreach for the Monroe Expressway and I-77 Express Lanes is to get folks prepared for what the bill by mail process is. Because while you don't have to worry about toll booths, uh, please do pay that bill when it comes. So nobody can get a, uh, a ticket for riding on it without doing something ahead of time. You can get in trouble if you don't then pay the bill. That's how this works. Correct, and I appreciate you bringing that up because that is something that that people from other jurisdictions have encountered. There are other tolling agencies out there, other states, where the rule is if you don't have a transponder, then there's a penalty for using the road, and North Carolina is not that. We welcome everybody to use a toll facility, whether you have a prepaid account or not. It's just be aware that if you don't have the prepaid well, should, account, this, this be we'll send you the bill. Easy to message that yes. and make sure people are aware because uh, yeah. you know we can't even get people to message and understand it's probably safer not to go down wrong way, one way streets and scooters. Like I mean, yeah. sim- simple messages. So this is a complex yes. message. Have you guys explored or thought of saying, okay, so what does everyone do in town? Well. You know, they may or may not pay a property tax bill each year. They probably have a water bill. Is there any way to do like a direct withdrawal or a direct add to something people already pay so you don't have to worry about that? Oh, that I, I'm not aware that we've explored that option, although that would be an interesting well, here way. Here in RD and QC, yes. we come up with the innovative exactly. ideas, Mr. Cook. So if any of our yeah. listeners want to get a transponder, two questions. Do you pay to get that transponder initially? And then if you only want to use it, say once a year when you're headed to the beach or once a year when you're in a hurry to get up to Davidson and you're really on a time crunch, is there any sort of requirement that you use it with a certain frequency? Is there a cost? Is there a rental fee? It's implanted in your body too, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> the last no. joke. Everybody yes. Else is serious. Yes. <laughs> uh, excellent questions, council member. Uh, the, uh, there are a variety of transponders available actually, because this is complexity. 
for the most local travel, we'll give you a transponder for free. It's a little sticker, goes on the windshield, works in North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. It's just literally a sticker? It is literally a sticker. Hmm. I will I will be I will have been waving it in front of council, but it is literally a sticker. I'm handing it to you now. You put that on your windshield, and we give you one of those for every car you register if if you're just interested we, in local travel. No, you may oh, not. So, That's my demonstration. So this, this thing that yes. Warren has just passed yes. around to, to Tark and I is yes. like a uh, one inch by two inches. I mean, it, how in the world? It's technology, it's, Larkin. Technology's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. So, and then there's... Okay, so there's a little like the uh, little microchip in the back of it. Yeah, but it the mean, needle it, that inserts it into yeah. your neck. <laughs> so uh, is there no. any sort of... So you're going to send me one of these for free when I ask for one. Right. But do I ever have to use it? Or at some point, do you want it back? Or Well, the, uh, the money that you prepay, and it's a minimum $20 to open the account, uh, that will sit in that account and will be used only for paying tolls unless you don't use the account for 12 months. If 12 months pass, and this is outlined in our terms and conditions online at ncquickpass.com, it's killing me that it's taken this long in the interview for me to mention ncquickpass.com, but ncquickpass.com explains all of this. And if an account is dormant for a 12-month period, after that 12 months, we uh, start charging a $1 a month maintenance fee until the account is used. So to your example of the the one using it the one time a year, one time a year is all it takes. now, but if you don't use yes. it that one time of year, a dollar. we'll start a deducting a dollar a month. Well, until the account runs down. So, yeah. okay, that's a little sketchy. Well, the expectation is that if you're going to prepay, then you're going to be using it at least once a year. Give, don't, yeah. don't just give themselves away. Yeah. I'm sure they cost yeah. about 1.3 cents each. Um, question, though. Uh, what what technology are you guys using uh, for the uh, LPR, license plate recognition system? Cameras. Made by Polaroid. Very fast cameras. Right, but th- yeah. this is there's an entire uh, you know yeah. technology you, you market out there. For look, example, the our local oh. favorite company, Passport, mm. just bought, just acquired a uh, a license plate uh, technology mm. license plate uh, company that, that does that. So they, well, th- that's software. It's not the yeah. camera, but is there software behind it? That's, right, that's simpl- absolutely, there's optical character recognition on the on the license plates. We bid that out. You know, as a government agency, we do. You know, the classic procurement process where we issue the request for proposals, we get bids, we award the contract to the low bidder or the lowest best bidder. Mm, uh, yes. And so um, all the equipment worked that way okay. on Triangle, on Monroe. Now, mobility par- I-77 Mobility Partners handle that for the express lanes on 77 because that's part of their contract contractual mm-hmm. obligation. I should okay. point out, by the way, since I'm sitting here, and, and to follow up with a previous question from you, Councilmember Eccleston. Yeah, there's another piece of hardware um, you've pulled out of your... I, I mentioned, the, what I was I mentioned I was. the free sticker, uh, but that, again, is applicable. It uses a protocol called 6C, so look that up. The 6C protocol is read in North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Uh, so this works with Peach Pass and Sun Pass facilities as well. But for those whose travels take them further... Uh, for a one-time cost of $7.40 plus tax, we have a more traditional hard case transponder uh, that says it's the NC Quick Pass Easy Pass, which in addition to working in North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida, also works with all the Easy Pass states to the north and the Midwest. So if you are an East Coast traveler or a Midwest traveler and want to take advantage of those t- types of toll facilities, an NC Quick Pass Easy Pass has a one-time cost. And I like the design of that. that. It's a bobblehead of Trogdon, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Also not true. When when you go on to... 
your material is going to need to get upgraded when you go video. I'm just telling you right now. Right now. Uh, Look at his but, face. We're yeah. never going to video. We're never going video. Larkin's He's got a face for radio. Uh, the R&D and the QC YouTube channel coming yeah, soon. Uh, but that's that's the hard case, and that, again, is a one-time cost. Uh, the deposit that you make is what tolls are deducted from. Yep. Okay. Well, we appreciate all this info. What I'm going to say is we need to do a follow-up. Once these, uh, once these are yeah. open, I think Tark and I need to do like a ride-along with you to check them out, and we can tell people what we're seeing. Now, one thing right. I think I mean, we're going to get asked, are people yeah. – People are going to have to make a very conscious and clear decision to get in these things. They're not going to accidentally end up in a toll lane and be getting sent a bill, right? Uh, well, I, I can't. Someone spe- will. Yeah. Undoubtedly, someone will. But anyone who's paying uh, yeah. even a lick of attention is going to know where they're supposed to be right. or not. There are clearly marked distinctions between a toll facility and a non-toll facility. And on the I-77 express lanes, there are specific places to get in and get out of them, much like there are merge lanes. And so, yes, it will be very difficult to, to, to get there accidentally. Uh, I do, I know we're running short of time here, but I, I do want to note an uh, addition on the advantage for transit because just as buses can travel toll free, I don't have a sample with me, but we have an additional transponder. There is some additional cost to it carpools. that has a switch on it for carpools of three or more. So for a high occupancy vehicle with three or more people in the car, uh, those types of vehicles travel toll-free in the I-77 express lanes. Not the Monroe Expressway, but yes to the 77. So if you have a carpool of three or more, the Turnpike Authority's NC Quick Pass program can get you set up for how to travel in those lanes right. without paying a toll. Lake Norman listeners, you have heard yeah. the man. Find two of your friends that work in the yeah. same building, create a carpool, register it on ncquickpass.com. You, you don't have to register the carpool for 77. All you have to do is have... Uh, is identify your car using an NC Quick Pass transponder. This is super yes. simple. Just follow these yes. 14 easy steps well, with hey, the matrix. Look, I, yeah. bet, I bet you there's a lot of people in Lake Norman that will be willing to yep. build three- and four-person carpools to work well, in downtown Charlotte to ride in these for free. That's and, true. and there are three three ways to find out more information. I've mentioned our ncquickpass.com website. Mm-hmm. We have a toll-free number, 877-7-MY-PASS. That's 877-7-MY-PASS. Uh, where folks can call and a customer service representative can help them through you know, the best option for them. And in Charlotte, we've also opened a customer service center at the interchange of Harris Boulevard and 45 near North Lake Mall, uh, where folks can go and work with a person in person. Or you can call Warren on his cell phone at 70... No, I'm just kidding. It's 121. 555. Well, thanks, council members, As for having always, me. It, we, we love having you here. Clearly, you've yeah. been given an easy topic here with these toll lanes. So we wish you the best of luck with that. It's an outreach and public information role. You keep you yeah. keep telling me uh, where where every every week that you listen to this podcast where I'm so right and Larkin is so wrong, my friend, and the door will always be open to you. I feel like there's probably uh, that's probably not what happens in the messages he sends you. Well, you know, I, I promised him I wouldn't repeat it. Okay. Only last request would be is if there's any chaser music. I think uh, Johnny Cash's I've Been Everywhere kind of fits the bill of what well, I've been, been doing. You've been following us for a long time. You know I stopped well, doing that, right? I, I've you, given you offer You offer it hard. from time to time. You offer it from time to time. Tark's already phoning it in. Yeah. I'm phoning it in. Johnny Cash. You got it, yeah. buddy. I, I, what was the song again? I've Been Everywhere. I've Been Everywhere. Because that's what I've been trying to do with this message uh, in the area. You got it. Keep yeah. up the good work, my friend. And thank, thank you for coming on. Thank all of you for listening. 
Get out and vote. Tuesday, November 6th. Rock the vote. You we'll can't vote you. until you rate the podcast. But do that. Rate the podcast, then go vote, guys. Weird quirk this year. Yeah. All right. Over and out. Over and out. Over and out.